SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez on SAFM. For those interested in that song that we were playing, it is The Times. They are a changing by Keb Mo. Now the original was Bob Dylan, but why the song choice and how apt it might be to say the times are changing because they certainly have changed at Joe Public. Good evening, Butkolisa. How are you this evening? Good evening. So, uh, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show and good evening to your listeners. Yes, indeed. The times, they are changing. Well, tell mm-hmm. us about the latest scoop, so to speak, at Joe Public United. Fantastic news. I will not say it. You will say it. Thank you. So it's been a, it's been an exciting couple of weeks for us. Um, we've been quite fortunate in in, in the midst of, of this pandemic that has engulfed our world. Uh, in that we have recently concluded a deal, which uh, which was a, a, a BE deal, uh, which saw Joe Public, which which is one of the top two. Uh, advertising agencies in South Africa in terms of the creative performance uh, over the last couple of years. And, and this was one of the two top independent agencies in the country. And, uh, and, and uh, we've just concluded this deal that would mean that we are now majority black-owned. We have become 60% black-owned um, in a deal that, uh, that saw us uh, bring on board an investor, and that saw some of the key staff within our company form a a, a, a company that has also bought into the agency. And the, the, the combination of that and the investor's uh, contribution, which is Sinatra Capital, um, sees us being 60% black-owned um, and as a result, the largest black-owned agency in South Africa. This certainly is fantastic news. And before we talk more about who Joe Public are and their importance, really, to the imagination of this country, and we're going to talk about a couple of sticky things, which not necessarily got you into trouble, but you certainly got South Africans to talk in a manner that South Africans are not all too used to talking about. Who is Olesa Geshana? I know a Bethwell Geshana from 1992 at... Um, Frere Road in East London at Stevens House because we were both boarders under Melvin Bowling. The less said about him, the better, because I still have my issues with him. But nonetheless, that's 1992. Of course, you go to Selborne College the year before 91. Some, some, some experiences for you. <laughs> yeah. So, Tolisa Jesana is a is a township boy from Tanzania uh, in in the Eastern Cape. Uh, I am the last of uh, seven of seven kids, and uh, and and as a result, uh, by the time that I got to, I think it was what what we would call today, what would we call it today? What standard three in today's language? <laughs> I think grade five. <laughs> <laughs> so grade five, I think, yeah. Yes. So by the time I got to grade five, I, the year was 1991. And that was around the time when uh, when schools, white schools, were opened to us uh, as black kids. And, uh, and as you rightfully said, uh, my parents had saved enough money for at least the last one to get to go and experience these schools. And I think, I think much to what you are saying, Songezo, you know, as you grow up, you, you, you really reflect back on those days because it was extremely difficult. We were the first 
batch that went into these schools, uh, not knowing what we were going into, never having lived with white people, let alone, uh, let alone having to go to school with them, having to learn their cultures, having to learn their ways. And uh, basically, that's where I, I started uh, in, in Selborne and ended up going to Selborne College. Uh, I remember you arrived, I think it was a year after me. Uh, I remember you. And this is the part that many people don't even know. Many of your listeners don't know. Your parents, <laughs> well, my parents struggled to put me through the school. Your parents had three of you to put through the very same school. Uh, with those exorbitant fees and everything else that we had to go through. Somehow they did but it. Is, <laughs> say that again? Somehow they did it. I don't know how. I have absolutely no idea how. And, uh, and, and it was an interesting journey. I mean, you are so right. Um, you know, I, I often think to myself, what preparation was done at these schools uh, for the day that young black boys uh, or young black girls would be walking into them in, the, in that fateful year of, of 1991. Because I think, as you rightfully say, there is a lot of uh, pleasant experiences that I think we can think back to, but there's a lot of traumatic experiences that, that we can think back to, especially with the advantage of hindsight and the advantage of time and understanding what life is about. But be that as it may, we, 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 we plowed through, and I suppose... You, you do get to a stage where you say, I, I have something called the Jesus theory, where I think that some people have to go through it so that others don't. Mm. So hopefully those awkward uh, and, and, and sometimes really, really, uh, you know, terrible uh, experiences that, that we had at, 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 at that time, hopefully we went through them so that the kids that are, that are in those schools now have a voice and, 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 and are actually able to navigate a lot better than we did. It might appear as though those voices are certainly louder and stronger now than they might have been in 1991 when a young man from Danzana, the last of seven kids, Tutata and Mama Geshana, enrolled at what was then a former Model C school, but in the true sense, going from 91 onwards, a public school. Of course, it's a changing description of these schools. Olisa Geshana, we're taking your calls then on 0891-104-207. We are celebrating the success story of Joe Public United. They have now become South Africa's largest black-owned advertising agency who among their rankers clients they can count and the list is not exhaustive Nedbank, Chicken Lick and Zazi, 18 Plus Jet, Clover, De Beers, One School at a Time Power, that's people opposing women abuse, Keep It 100, the Partheid Museum and many before them Mahindra Revlon, British American Tobacco oh, British American Tobacco could probably do with your advertising right now, Bonitas Asapol Converse CTM The time is 2018 Please do not wait to Give us a call. Here is a success story, a South African success story. Here's the creative behind some, well, let me just say sticky and spicy adverts, particularly for chicken licking. We'll get into that conversation a little after this. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Call Songhez or now, now. 0891-104-207. Mr. Kloster Jashana is on the line. He returns. Talk to us about your journey because from the time that I recall, you were really into the arts. You were participating in school plays. We're talking about Sea Spell 91, Fame 92, 92, Theseus and the Minotaur in your standard five year in 1993. And then in 1997, 
talk to us about South Pacific Cabaret 98. You were always expressing yourself where typically somebody like me was on the sports field. You were in the arts. You were in your afternoon classes with Mr. Charles Kopp and Mr. Adri Lears. Music with Winston Paxton, Mrs. Hart, Mrs. Leonard. These people were important in the development of this creative in Olisa who now becomes a culmination of all these personalities and some as the creative director or chief creative officer at Joe Public. How much then of this journey would have landed itself to you where you are now? Give us, if you like, a trip down memory lane. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing, Sondra, the way I think you, are, you, 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 you put it so aptly. For me, the art has been a saving grace. I think from the time that I, I got into the school, um, I've always been somebody who is passionate about music. My mother is a Methodist woman through and through, and somehow that 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 is one gene that she that she really uh, left to me. And and so as one was starting out in the school, uh, not necessarily being the best athlete, not necessarily being a part of what a lot of people would consider to be these mainstream things that can make you popular or unpopular in, 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 in school, somehow I was able to find solace in the art. And it gave me a lot of confidence because, you know, I, I think I was one of the first people to be uh, a part of the, of, of, of the art space within, within, within our, our schooling system. I started, pre, I started creating a little bit of a niche for myself where I would audition for these plays and somehow I would always land a significant role in them. Um, as you rightfully put it, as that, that went with me throughout my high school years when I got into my tertiary, that was further fueled by the fact that these kind of schools also recognized and had courses and, 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 and subjects that would, that would assist somebody within that journey. So if you are not a mathematical kid, there was yes. space for you as an artistic kid, which is very, very important. Mm. It's actually so important because these are some of the challenges that we are dealing with now as we attempt to, 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 to transform this industry, not only in terms of things like ownership, but in terms of the kids that we are letting into these schools. And, and it, it really does become a, 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 a big problem when you find that for the majority of our schools still, mm. the artistic child has no place. And so, and so for me, I was very, very fortunate in that when we got to then high school, there were subjects that I could take that helped me along this. And, and, and then what happened was when I got to matric, when I got to matric, my parents sat me down and had a conversation with me where they said to me that you've seen what we've been able to do for you for the last couple of years, but you have to know that for the next couple of years, we will be paying off your school. And therefore, any fancy tertiary is not an option for you. So you cannot talk to us about the UCTs of the world, which, which, which in itself was, was quite traumatic at that age mm, because mm, these mm. are people that I had been working with all along and now when it was time to get onto that next level, uh, I, I, I suddenly had to get off the train. Suddenly but your socioeconomic as, circumstances got real. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and needless to say, uh, what happened was I, I went through a little bit of a slump because, because I had to watch my friends go off. And, and the funniest thing is that an advertising uh, university was even more of a pipe dream because that's even more expensive mm. than the UCTs of the world. Yes. So, so, so at the time, advertising seemed like a real pipe dream for me. 
And I was very fortunate in that I had a brother who was at Peninsula Technicon in Cape Town studying with Tessa, who phoned me one day and gave me a bit of a little pet talk where he said, it's fine that your friends are letting you go. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And one day you guys will meet up wherever it is that you meet up. But my suggestion to you is that you cannot afford to take a gap here. You get up from there, you go to a highway, and you get onto a bus tomorrow morning, and you make the way to Cape Town. And I've seen somewhere in the curriculum here that there's something called graphic design on this, on, on, on this campus. Yes. We'll get you registered for that. And, 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 at, and at the time, it seemed like one of the worst things that could happen. But in, 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 in hindsight, it turned out to be one of the best. Are you not inspired then by the story? Polisa Jeshana talking to us about a story where he was perhaps oblivious to his socioeconomic circumstances. It got real as an 18-year-old who had to make the decisions that really mattered most, leaving home with very little in the pocket and with very little where he was going to. Going to start a career in what began first as graphic design at Peninsula Technicon at the time, and of course it's now Cape Peninsula University of Technology, and changing halfway through from graphics to copywriting. The story perhaps of reawakening and learning at that time through his older brother that life was certainly not a sprint but a marathon. He's also said, and I want you to engage this statement, schools have no space for the artistic child in South Africa. What are your thoughts on that? This is the thought of the creative director, chief creative officer, I beg your pardon, at Joe Public, now South Africa's largest black-owned advertising agency. We're, of course, talking about Joe Public. 0614-104-107. Those are the voice... Those are the numbers for the voice notes. Please drop us your thoughts thereon. We have our first caller this evening from East London. Not often we have somebody from East London. Soyama, first time caller, I understand. Good evening, Soyama. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening. Good evening, Big Sunrise. Um, yeah, Soyama, first time caller. Um, I just want to, like, first of all, congratulate um, Mr. Gishan and Joe Public on their uh, nomination as the biggest black owned advertising agency in the country. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sayama. Indeed, indeed. Do you have more to say um, on that? Well, I'd like to. I mean, I'd first like to just um, after hearing what has been said already on the show. Um, I'm sorry. Um, coming from East London, um, you know, having to get onto E bus and go to Cape Town. I sort of like relate to where he was in his life before, like when all of that started, because I'm I'm in that same age group right now, and um, it's like, I mean, first of all, I could relate to him being like Mdomnyam, and now I, I I sort of like relate from the perspective that he'd also come from high school and in the creative field, and you know, wanting to. Um, make a, a change in the advertising field as well. I don't think he had decided it was going to be advertising. I don't know. I'm not really quite sure on that. Sure. But just, just um, you know, wanting to pursue something. And I'm really relating really, really hard at this point in my life as well because I'm also trying to pursue that creative role, um, play my creative role in life, you know. Beautiful. We appreciate your call. We appreciate your thoughts. We're going to let Upukolisa engage you in terms of what he understands you to mean and how perhaps you have taken him back to when he was an 18-year-old some nearly 30 years ago. And perhaps he might have a word or two in relation to how your career trajectory might look. Thank you so much, Soyan. We appreciate your thoughts. We have one voice note, I understand, before we go back to Upukolisa's response. 
Hi, good evening, Tabisa. My name is Leon, and I'm from Hood by Cape Town. I just like to know from your case, uh, since he was one of the first black uh, people in a, let us say, so-called white school or model C school, as you like to name it, uh, what was the impact that he has done arriving on the uh, white school, and what can he teach or taught? Uh, what, what can the learners from this year uh, or the youth from this year teaching, teach, learn from the struggle you guys had in those years? I think those are pretty two clear contributions to this conversation. Your responses to them, Mr. Yeshana? Thank you, Alpaz. Um, you know, Songeza, and, and I think you've got a view on this as well. You know, one of the things um, that, that, that we experienced, um, I, I've, I've often tried to articulate this for myself in my mind. And for lack of, 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 of a, a better explanation, if you will, I've come to the, to, the, to the realization that transformation of any type cannot happen without a certain level of engagement. I think that what happened and the experience that a lot of us had when we went to these schools is that in many ways it was, it, it was ticking the boxes, but we were never engaged. Things stayed the same. We had to assimilate into what was there, and nobody actually bothered to know what it is that was our culture and where do we come from, and how then do we find ourselves in this space, which is the school. I'll give you a perfect example. I'll never forget that when we went to these schools, there was a piece of, 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 there was a rule that said that when your son comes to the school, he must have a respectable haircut. I'll never forget that. He must have a respectable haircut. <laughs> yeah, Needless know. to say, 90% of the black parents who sent their kids to that school sent their kids with their heads shaven. Because in, in our culture, there is very little in the context of your grooming and your hair that says respectful more than when a child has little hair or, or, or cutting your hair. That's why when somebody passes away, one of the things that used to be done is that people's hair would be cut, as an example, to represent that you were evil, etc. So things like that, where we arrived at the school and the white people were shocked to the core to say that, did you not read that it said respectable haircut? And I remember at the time, we had to fight these battles on our own. In fact, as, as, as late as last year, or, or was it the year before, when you wrote a very, very, very poignant article where we were arguing about some of these things. And only now, through the bravery of some young people, others, Leica and the likes, mm. who, who, who refuse to be silent and raise these things to say, if you're going to accept us into these schools, engage us. It's not going to be business as usual. It's, it's not a privilege for us to be here. We are paying just as much as anybody else. And if you consider what somebody who lives in Vincent or who lives in Santon is living like, also consider what we yeah. are living like so that we've got an equal society that allows us to thrive just like any other child within the school. Sure. So, 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 so that for me is, is, is what I'd like to say with regard to that, to that second question. It was extremely challenging for us. We had to navigate somehow making these, these arguments, somehow making these statements, and yet, at the same time, making sure that we don't uh, disrupt the cart too much, because we were the first batch. But I do believe that through the little attempts that we had, through the, the, through, through the conversations that we had when we had them, they, it, it became easier for the next, and it became easier for the next. 
and it became easier for people like Ozuleika to say that we will not take it anymore. And some of the difficult conversations that the country is having right now to say, we've been here, you need to engage us. Don't just, don't think that you are doing us any favors. So that's the first one. The second one, uh, with regards to that young gentleman who, who, who phoned here, I'm really, really honored that he can find uh, some uh, relativity in the context of my story. The only thing that I want to say is that I, I, I do think that, you know, when you are 18 and you're starry-eyed and you're trying to figure out your life, there is that temptation that will make you think that you're supposed to have it figured out already. You mm. are not. Mm. It's always, it, it, as long as you are focused on what it is that you've got to do at this point, you've got to make that decision and everything else is going to start to fall into place. I, 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 it is something that I learned when I was 18 years old because I had no idea that I would end up where I'm going to end up. Sure. But I think for as long as you've got focus and you know what it is that, and you can back yourself and you know that you, this is where you are, you are heading towards, as to how you are going to get there, life is going to create a lot of things in your life that will help you define that with more detail as, as, as you go on. In other words, you must just keep dreaming. Back it. You, you, you've touched on a lot of issues. So I want to get into it because now I think it's also important to understand the advertising space in relation to the community in which it operates and the narratives sure. that it has to pick up in telling a story, in being relevant to the times, in being responsive to some of the social justice calls that might abound. For one, here is an SMS. Congratulations to Tolisa. Songezo, could you please ask him, will they be intentional in hiring black people? And I want to tie that question question coming through from one of our listeners to this because under your profile chief creative officer joe public the ultimate paragraph there reads open quote olisa is founding member of ikamva lagusasa and has also been part of many industry committees aimed at helping young people from underprivileged backgrounds to gain access to the industry actively engaging a new generation of creating of creative minds in finding new solutions for a better south africa this what i've just read out in relation to that question or comment if you like from the listener does in a way give you greater social obligations or responsibility or certainly you'll be more in the public eye both because you're as big as you are and you're as big as you are as an advertising agency that is black in these times how would you respond to him first of all the intentionality behind hiring black persons and how you aim to transform and give effect to these young starry-eyed people who want to be ultimately where now you are thanks for that question um you know, one of the things that, that is very close to my heart is this issue of access. And one of the things that I love to say with regards to advertising is that advertising is a passion industry. It's a passion industry where you cannot enter this, this, this field and go straight to becoming a creative director. You go from being a junior, you learn the ropes. You get to becoming a midweight, et cetera, et cetera, all the way up until you can get to creative director, uh, executive creative director, or chief creative director. So for me, the issue around access becomes vital. And it is one of those issues where I found myself, uh, through the grace of God, at, at, at the helm of a lot of the industry bodies that we have around uh, uh, with regards to advertising. And one of the things that I've been extremely passionate about is that how do you increase that pipeline? How do we use the might of these organizations, which, by the way, is much bigger than the advertising industry? 
Because the fact that we don't have a curriculum that speaks to creativity is one of the main, main problems that we have in this country. Be that as it may, my concern has been with everything that we've got, how do we then start to create interventions and lend a hand within this? And I can tell you that from the time that I entered this field to to where we are now, the, the initiatives that are made to reach out to kids, whether it's in tertiary, whether it's in, it, it's in high school, to introduce the, 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 the field of advertising to them have increased tremendously. But it's still not enough. And there is no way that it will become easy for us to change the top of, of, of the industry if we can't change who's coming into it, because those are the people that will ultimately take over. Indeed. So I think that in, in, in our biggest passion for us as an agency, we are a purpose-driven agency that believes in growth. We believe in growth of our people. That's the number one thing that we say. We believe in the growth of our people. We believe in the growth of our clients. And then we believe in the growth of our country, and we believe each of these feeds the other. So what, what then becomes important for us is to make sure that we are bringing in the right people. I remember when we rebuilt our agency from 2009, uh, we probably, uh, when we started, I mean, we had about 20 people, and, and, and we probably had 5% of our staff uh, being black. Today, it's over 50% of our staff. And one of the things that we've learned, often because there's this challenge of pipeline is that we've in a lot of times when we can't fill positions then we groom our people and we grow our people internally so to answer that question it is always something that we are fit to do which is to hire people that can come and make a difference to our agency we found that when we have a diverse agency the work is better Mm, so mm. we are extremely intentional with that but we are also very realistic about some of the challenges that we face which are not excuses and these are the things that we've taken on ourselves to say that let's change these things, even without the government if we have to, but let's make sure that we are filling our agency at all levels with yeah. diverse people and with black people as well. Diversity Obviously. equals better work. Those are the thoughts of Polisa Yeshana, one of the top advertisers in this country. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Listen to this. Babu Ngonde, get onto the line. We'll talk to you just now. Chairperson of Creative Circle, the highest decision-making body for advertising creativity in South Africa. Polisa has also served as chairman of the Luris 2012-2014. to That's South Africa's premier advertising awards show. He also strives to give voice to African creativity on a global stage, having served on the juries of almost every renowned advertising awards show across the world. Most recently, he was elected to the international board of the One Show, the premier advertising show in the United States. You talk about Khan, you talk about DA and D, the One Show, Luris, everything about advertising he has reached. That respect of Summit. Kholisa Jeshana Babunwande, you are talking to him. Good evening. Good evening, Songezo. Yes, sir. I'll take you back to the early 1990s. Um, I was in this company, not in advertising, but we were then called upon as ordinary people, right, mm. uh, to critique the advert done by the white advertising company. You would mm. know the color of that company, of course. Now, Songhezo, I noticed that some covert racism, mm. some subliminal racism, you know, it is not obvious, it is really covert, right? And then we pointed out some objection to the advert that was to be flighted, that we don't think it represents us, although it's not about us, you know? And so that was changed 
right? Now, fast forward. When there was then this advert of what you mentioned in your intro, um, that has been involved in um, chicken licking. I remember I never did like that chicken. But because of that constant advert, I end up seeing myself going to buy it, right? Precisely because, Sonia, the creatives there must have had a breakfast. They understand the culture, right? I wonder if your guests can ask this. Um, John Buffett, right, of mm. Good Night Fame, I wonder whether he was not involved in that. Because I'm telling you, Sonia, I, 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 that, to differ. I think it would appear to me that a lot of black clients were attracted to the type of advertisement. Lastly, mm. as a creative thing is lacking in our pregnancy, right? Mm. And I can say the same thing about adults. I remember as a teacher um, of grade 10, business economics, they had something, but it was very in a small scale called creative thinking. Right, very small. Now, what I would like to propose to a guest is that this art, which is very important, if a creative school, right, college achievement, whatever, but if these children need to be captured as early as possible, so that forget about varsity about science, about the things, you know. Because they do not address the current reality. So to me, there are a lot of creative solutions that we need from people who understand creative thinking. So Good evening. A very good evening to you, Babu Ngonde, as well. Babu, yes, and I'm going to ask you to please hold the line. We have to take an ad break now. I'll just round up immediately after the advert all the SMSs that are relevant to you with the hope that you'll be able to respond to them in an omnibus for the purposes of concluding this particular segment. 2041, Mr. Kodisa Yeshana returns after this ad break. On SAFM. A brief response to you, Babungonda. I can tell you for a fact that ooh, Mr. Yeshana was a little too young to be involved with the adverts behind KFC that involved the late Dadu Joe Mafela. This was happening in the mid-90s. He was still with me in high school. Hi, Songezo, and to your guest, Mr. Yeshana. Well, you're with a star there. You know I'm really touched by his interesting story. It's always great to listen to gallant and courageous gentlemen like him. All the best to his future endeavors. My question to him, how did he deal with the bottlenecks and stumbling block that are always there, especially to us black people who want to venture into business? First question to you, Butolisa, which is the second after Babu Ngondes before the break. Deborah in KwaZulu-Natal, just want to say congratulations to you, Polisa. You surely worked very hard to achieve what you have. A great role model. What role do you think advertising has in nation building and breaking down prejudice? We saw how Bell Pottinger used media to promote racial prejudice. What can you do to heal the nation? And I do want to tie that point that Deborah is raising with some of the points you and I had discussed before we came on air. Think of H&M and that monkey advert. Think of Dove using an African woman who keeps taking her clothes off and lands up being a white woman. Think of the SABC1 Yamampela advert that was using Mapaputsi's music of a young white gentleman who wakes up from a tin house who goes through the motions of what typically an African of his age in those socioeconomic circumstances would do. And of course, Chicken Licken, the young man who goes and visits 
Holland and names it Europe in 1651, the one that was ultimately canned. Tell us, especially with what Deborah has to say, the role of advertising and creatives in driving social justice messages. Perhaps you can even talk about BLM right now and what it is doing for the imagination of societies. So thank you very much uh, for those questions. Um, I think let me start with the last one. This is, this just goes to show you how good my memory is. <laughs> um, so I'll start with this last one. I think that advertising and media have a huge role to play in the context of um, of, of, of reimagining society and, 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 and having us view ourselves with dignity. You know what is so interesting for me, and I'll use the example that you made, since we've picked up the chicken licking account, there is something that has happened, and I'd, and I'd be lying if I said that this was our intent from the start, but sometimes the universe works like that, and you find yourself in almost a divine space where, you, where, where your intentions are much bigger than yourself. So one of the things that has happened since we got that account is that we have made it a point that we want this account to help us, to, to help black people reimagine what it is that we can be and what it is that we are, mm. and, 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 and go against a lot of these stereotypes. So it is the kind of client that allows us to do what we, what we would like to do. There's an interesting story about how we got this particular client, but, the, but, but that's a story for another day. But it has given us a huge responsibility to the late owner of that brand, George Sombono, and to his loyal customers, which by and large are the black people of this country. So using that as a platform, I remember one of the first ads that we did for Chicken Licken was an ad that showed a black South African who goes and makes his way into space. Mm. That was the first one. The second one was about a black... Hidden figures. Hidden figures. Ex- oh, you're touching exactly. on real issues here. Exactly. The second one was, 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 was about a black archaeologist who finds the money in Egypt. The third one was about a um, the third one was about a a a, 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 a science teacher who creates a, an AI version of himself. There was no talk. We've been hearing all this AI talk, and yet nobody has given a South African uh, view on that. And we decided to create this 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 man called Smoo, who creates a cloned version of himself so that he can go and eat chicken licking. These are all subliminal messages. The other one that, that, that we recently worked on was, was the first advert of Chicken Licken where the protagonist or the main actors of this ad was women. So we had the Soul Sisters campaign where mm. even within the same campaign, there was, a, there, was, there was a particular advert where a young child, a young Zulu child, is coming out to his father because of his sexual preferences. These are all things that go to show you that the power of, of, of media, and I cannot even begin to tell you the kind of responses that we've had because we've made it okay to be able to show these things and to use our platform in such a responsible manner. Now, particularly the one that you referred to, that is probably my favorite ad that we've done for Chicken Licken because that was about showing a young man named Big John who in 1951 goes to discover a foreign land. And he decides to name it Europe. 1651, you mean, right? (laughs) Because we have been told for the the longest time, who who are the people that discovered every place in the world? It was white people. And the narrative, and, 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 and what is discover? To discover is to land in a place where you find inhabitants and basically you think that you can name that place whatever it is that you want to name it and you've discovered it. Mm. So we knew that it was always going to be controversial. 
But we felt that that message was so important to highlight how ridiculous the idea of colonialism was and to also show a young black kid that he can do anything. And he doesn't have to listen to the fact that it's only white people that went out to discover or that can go out and discover foreign lands. I'm going to ask you an obvious question. Sorry to interrupt. I'm going to ask you an obvious question to this, which is clearly something I would imagine still has to consume you before deciding to flight an advert. You will have those old institutional clients who open, close quote, claim the space, who might be offended by this, and they threaten to pull their account. How do you engage the balancing act between institutional bias or institutional preference or the book in the true sense of the book, the balancing of that book? and the need still to tell the story, changing stereotypes or challenging stereotypes? You know, Sonia, this for me is, is, what, is what I think that any business which, which wants to make great decisions has to, has to embrace, and that is the fact that you need to find what your purpose is. The one thing about our business is that we almost, we, in fact, we lost everything in 2006. We came down from 60-something people to 20-something. And in 2008, we decided we were owned by Americans and we decided to buy our business back because it didn't make sense that everything that we were making in South Africa, we were sending across the seas to Americans. And since 2009, we rebuilt our business from scratch and we built it as a purpose-driven business. And all the decisions that we make around our business are based on our purpose, which is the purpose of growth. We ask ourselves, is this going to grow our people? Is this going to grow the, the client that's giving us the money to do it? But most importantly, is it going to grow our country? Mm. And, if it, and, and if it passes that test, then we are willing to take the risk that we are willing to take. If a client has a, a particular view, but we know that we are a proudly South African agency and we will not do work. And sometimes we may get it wrong, but our intention will never do, do, be to do work that is disparaging towards the people of this country. And so whether we are doing Brahuma Secular for Ashupal or whether we are, we are working with Eugene Koza for, for NetBank or whatever it is that we are doing, it is always around this notion that we don't want our people to become caricatures. You have an obligation to be responsive to the times, as you have alluded to, but I really want you to dig your heels in this. You have seen the global movement of Black Lives Matter following out of many people, George Floyd. George Floyd is a name in a litany of dead bodies that America yeah. has walked over, that the world has walked over, even in South Africa. If you talk about, goodness, give me a name, Steve Biko, give me a name, Kalushi Matlangu. You, you, you have to respond to that. This was an excellent question by, by, by Deborah and KZN because it has forced us to have an engagement which is very topical in society and pretty much a narrative that you have to consider. When, when you have an advertising campaign or a client for people opposing women abuse, you are touching now on something which quite easily – you yourself, as an individual, by virtue of being male, not because you have done things as Golisa, but by virtue of being male, you enjoy a dominance or a premium in a society that is largely, let me say, patriarchal, that discriminates, that has an imbalance of power distribution by virtue of your being a male. How then do you still give true value to the trust that power, people opposing women abuse, invest in you? to drive a message for the public, but equally yourself, challenge your own stereotypes, challenge your own disposition in society to project, albeit vulnerably, 
project the way in which people in a society ought to engage, either through being graphic and gross in your depiction of what is currently taking place with the hope that people interpret the message or giving them an ideal, a utopia, with the hope that people will aspire to that. How, do, how, how easy, how difficult is it when you deal with such sensitive campaigns? Great question, Sanyeza. I can tell you, I think that for us, one of the key things that we try and do is that we don't shy away from using the power of creativity for people to face the things that we are afraid to face or that we don't want to face. And I'm so happy that you use power as an example, because uh, on the one hand, we've got power as a, as, a, as a client in the agency, but on the other hand, what many people may not know is that in 2009, mm. our agency was tasked with creating one of the biggest behavioral campaigns this country has ever seen, yes. which, was, which was trying to convert men who are over 30 to change their behavior in, with issues like GBV, with issues like multiple sexual partners, etc., etc. And that movement would go on to be called Brothers for Life. Mm. And through that time, we had, you know, the, the, the level of sensitivity that we, that we dealt with this kind of thing. Whether I, I'll never forget the first gender-based violence commercial that we had to do. Was we ended up saying that instead of creating these hypothetical situations, we want to create an, an asset that encourages men to reach out to the goodness which is inside of them, which we, which, 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 which we believed is there and needs to be tapped into. But the idea was to be realistic about what this was and, and to talk about the cycle of gender-based violence. And that was when we, we sat, we found Ubabu Petrixai, Yes, and we, yes. And I'll never forget. And we said to Babu Patrick Sai, who, who was a reformed person who, who, who had done this and who had owned up to the fact that he had done this and who was willing to tell the world that he had done this and who, he was willing to go around working with young men who thought that this was the way to be. And nothing touched me as much as that advert because that advert was literally him telling his story with a camera in front of him. And at the end of that ad, it said, in my opinion, or in our opinion as an agency, what we felt was probably one of the most disruptive and brave statements that you could make at, a, at the end of an, of an ad like that. And it said, you can change. You can change. You can change. So you can change. You can change. And, 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 and for me, so, 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 so just to summarize, I think that creativity has a huge role to play in changing these prevailing attitudes in engaging people with these difficult subjects. There has never been a time where we need to engage with these subjects more than now, when in the same way that black lives matter, our sisters' lives matter, and we have to, on all levels of society, advertising included, which has, which has the power of media behind it. We have to do our part to change the scourge that is killing our sisters in this country. In three words, everything about tonight so far is you can change. Putolisa, thank you so much for your time. To you, Owen Maubane, Zanele Klaba, Pepe Mare, Lore Mate, Neil van der Weel, Mbumingo Bese, Tato Tzotezi, Kutala Gala Holton, as well as Gareth Lick, you have our greatest support. Well done. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. Creative Officer, Chief Creative Officer at that Joe Public, Mr. Kolisa Kieshana.